you can tell that I'm already in. Just go look in my eyes, you can tell that I'm already in. You can see the fire inside, you can tell that I'm already in. See me, I'm already in. I'm keeping that word in me and keeping that so I with me. You see that I'm already I'm ready. You better cover up or come with it Broke out from the bottom of the grave Defy the odds of morticians At worst they stand firm and hold my position Command ops with the opposition At word packed I'm fully loaded My heart steady I know the mission I'm ready Better stand by with a medic It doesn't matter what it looks like Right now we win and that's prophetic I woke up this morning I had to get ready They try to come after my family I would not believe in the lie So I bring out the word When the devil is crafty Hey, back and forth again Standing here with a few good men I got your six You know that brotherhood is strong When all of y'all come from the six We done seen it all before So we ready to get it and we're not alone, our God is ready to defend You can tell that I'm already Just go look in my eyes You can tell that I'm already You can see the fire inside You can tell that I'm already You see me, I'm born ready I'm keeping that word in me And keeping that song with me You see that I'm already
Hey, sorry about that, guys. I had it on a loop. <laughs> anyway, guys. Guys, I hope you guys are having a great morning. I know I've, I wanted to come on this morning. It's not my usual time that, that I do a Bible study, but, you know, I went through so much in the last couple of days and, and stuff, man. And, and, you know, I wanted to share some things with you guys, man. And, and it's something that's just really important. Um, you know, when we don't forgive people, right? Um, you know, uh, and, and we don't do that, you know, and, and it, we're, we're, we're disrespecting God because God forgave us of everything that we did and have done in our past. He's forgiven us. So when we don't forgive people, you know, that's, that's an offense, man. And, and, and to me, you know, I, I, I look at that and I'm like, man, dude, this, this ain't right. You know, this ain't right. And, and, and I was holding a little bit of a grievance, you know, with a few people in my past and, and stuff. And, 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 and I just decided, man, that, uh, you know, uh, you know, I had to really look down deep inside of me, man. And, and, and really be like, dude, am I holding, you know, um, am I holding any grievance? Am I holding anything against people? And, and, and the, and the question was, as I was, man, you know, and I had to really, 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 was like, okay, I need to repent. I need to, I need to repent and I need to ask for forgiveness and I need to forgive these people, you know? And, uh, and these are people that, that I, I believe that hurt me, right? <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I really needed to hurt, I really needed to forgive them, you know? Uh, um, and uh, that was kind of difficult, you know, uh, for me because uh, I, I realized, I, I didn't realize that how much you know, resentment that I was holding, you know, until yesterday. And, and, you know, I just got on my face, man, and I just repented and and stuff. So if you guys, I'm saying this because if you guys have any, if you guys are holding on any resentment, any bitterness, anything that was happened to you in your, in your life, just know that Christ forgave you of all your sin and you need to forgive those who have hurt and wronged you. You know, and, um, and, and, and and that's just something that we really, really need to understand, right? Um, so, that being said, I'm going to turn on some worship. We're going to do something a little different today. So... So, um, oh, let's see. So I'm a little off today, guys. Hey, guys, uh, if you guys need prayer, you know, please go to madefreechurch.org. We're a praying church. We believe in the power of prayer. And we believe that prayer is essential in our daily walk. So if you guys need prayer, please go to uh, madefreechurch.org. I got to turn this down because it's a little too loud. Um, and, uh, um, you know, go to madefreechurch.org and put in your prayer request. We'd be honored, you know, to uh, really, really pray for you. And, and, and we just believe that the power of prayer, we believe in the power of prayer. So, um, so we just ask for that, that if you need prayer, just go do that, you know. Um, let's get into this, man. We're we're gonna be, 
you know, going, we're going through the book of Romans, right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're going to be in Romans chapter 10 verses one through four. And, uh, we're, we're, this is Christ is the end of the law. You know what I mean? Um, not to say that the law doesn't matter anymore, guys, because the law of God does, you know, so we need to understand that. Um, uh, we need to understand that the law of God still applies. You know what I'm saying? So let's get into this. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, Lord. And we just ask God that you just bless this, this Bible study. Bring on the people that you want to see this. Lord, bless the people that are on the podcast, that are listening, God. We thank you uh, for all that you do, Heavenly Father. You're such an amazing dad. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. All right. So let's read Romans chapter 10, 1 through 4. It says, this says this, Brothers, my heart desire and prayer to God for them is that they be saved. For I bear them witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Uh, uh, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Vital question. With, uh, you know, for, for with, with, with which Paul, the apostle Paul deals with, is, it, is no doubt, how is a person saved? And how does salvation relate to salvation of the Jews and the salvation of the Gentiles? You know, one thing's, you know, uh, uh, of the theme of the verses of the letters in, in Romans 1, cha uh, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, for it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek or Gentiles, however your, your, your translation puts it. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now today... People are not very interested in such a question, which in itself, of course, may be symptomatic of a deeper problem of human nature. What people are interested in is, how can I be happy? One commentator named Luthi says this, whatever aspects this happiness may assume for each individual person, the question of happiness rules our thoughts and holds passionate sway over our imagination. This is understandable. God certainly does not blame us for the liking to be happy. What Father does not want is uh, what the Father does not want his children to be happy, or what Father does not want to be is his children to be happy. This is particularly true of the Father in heaven. If anyone wishes us to be happy, then it is he. But God alone knows what is good or harmful for the human race. And he knows that all happiness is as fragile as a soap bubble. But however much it may please him when his children make soap bubbles and enjoy themselves a little and are happy. It pleases him much more when his, children's are sa when his children are saved. How will the world be saved? 
this is his passionate concern this is why the way to salvation is and remains the burning theme in the letter of romans you know before i came to idaho a bunch of friends and i went to the beach right and during this one of the party who plays guitar was singing a song about a man who leaves his home by the north sea and makes his fortune in foreign lands but in spite of his happiness he's homesick in his mind's eye he sees the open sea and the yellow bloom flowering on the shore and he seems to hear the cry of the seagulls the song the song is an interesting for the insight that that's shown in the words i found happiness but i still long for home Some old school worship, man. I love it. Um, Luthi's right, right? You know, Paul seeks uh, to those into his to whose lives God breathed this his great nostalgia, and who now wishes more than anything else to be home with him. And in, in, in this in this great nostalgia is found not only in happiness, but it's also that eternal joy. That alone satisfies. You know, in Romans 9, Paul stressed the divine side of salvation, laying great emphasis on the sovereignty of God in saving and in hardening, right? That side of divine program should have its stresses, and the apostle gives it here. Paul and Jesus are great pre uh, preachers of the sovereignty of God in our salvation. You can find that in John 6. Right? But the divine sovereignty should always be balanced with human responsibility. We are required by God to respond to the message of grace. Our human responsibility is plainly set forth in the word in Acts 6, uh, 16.31. And that's the emphasis of what Paul the emphasis Paul is saying here in Romans 10 we rejoice in both doctrines divine sovereignty and grace and human responsibility to submit to the word of grace with, 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 with that comment we turn to the exposition of the letter of Romans right first first I want you guys to notice Paul's eagerness for, for Israel's salvation. Paul declares his eagerness for Israel's salvation in verse 1. He says, Brothers, my heart desires desire and prayer to God for them that they may be saved. It's a beautiful expression of the apostles' concern for his own flesh and blood. And it's a pattern that ought to be true for us too. The psalmist says in, in, in Psalms 122.6, pray for peace of, of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Right? Is that your concern today? If, if you're in tune with the apostles and with our Lord, and I'm sure it would be, right? I'm sure you would be. I'm sure that that would be your concern, right? Pray for peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you, right? Lewis Talbot, uh, in one of his works, tells a story of a person who once said to him, do you expect me to love the Jews? Why, 
they are terrible people. And he replied, yes, they are terrible. In fact, uh, they are nearly as bad as the Gentiles. And then he, and then he pointed out uh, the way that the Gentiles were acting all over the world, fighting among themselves in tumults and in wars in addition to persecuting the Jews all the while. And he added that even if the Jews were worse than the Gentiles, what of it? We should still pray for them and their salvation. See, Paul, Paul explains his eagerness for Israel's salvation. He says in verse 2, For I bear witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And in Romans uh, chapter 9, verses 1-5, through 5, the apostle spoke of his great heaviness of his heart for Israel's lost condition. He pondered their great privileges such as the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises uh, in verse 4, right? 9-4. In addition, they were descendants of the patriarchs. From them, the greatest privilege of all is traced in human ancestry of, uh, of Christ, who is God over all and forever, and forever praised in verse uh, chapter 9, verse 5. And yet, in spite of these privileges, only the remnant of Israel will be, will be saved. The great mass of the nation had turned from God in unbelief with the Gentiles, you know, uh, uh, and had crucified their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles' consideration of their condition in Romans 9 is the objective side of all things. That is, <coughs> excuse me, from the side of their privilege and their failure to measure up to them. Right, Romans in Romans ten, Paul looks uh, looks at things more definitely and more subjectively. Right, he he speaks of his great desire for them to be saved because they have zeal for zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Right, the zeal of the Jews in the New Testament times, noted by Jesus in Matthew twenty three fifteen, says this: "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites!" For you travel across the sea and make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice the child of hell as yourselves. See, he also said that the time would come after his departure when the apostles would meet the Jews who would put them out of their synagogues and would think that whoever killed them would be doing God's God of service, right? You find that in John uh, John 16 two. In our day, you know, we tend to think of anyone zealous of spiritual things is surely acceptable to God, right? How many of us heard people say, well, it doesn't really matter what a person believes as long as they sincerely believe it. If we do, if, if we do our best, we can, then God will surely accept us. He is not a religious bigot, is he? Aren't all things relative to spiritual matters? Sincerity is no substitute for truth. The person who sincerely believes in the, the solvency of insolvent bank and puts his money into their hands for safe keeping is soon disillusioned. He learns that sincerity is no substitute for the solvency. 
in spiritual things, there is truth and there is error. The scriptures set for truth that which is not in accord with the inspired word of truth is wrong. That is that that, that which is according to the inspired writings of God and therefore true and reliable. You know, in spiritual things, um, sincerity is the acceptance of false doctrine will not save us, right? We are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And that's why it's so important that we know and preach it accurately. In 1 Corinthians, uh, you can find that in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. If ever a man could be saved by zeal, it would be Paul. Listen to his word in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 9, and it says this. Although my, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has a reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a prosecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I gain, I had, I, count, I counted and lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith see it's easy to see the apostle a zealous man regard zeal in a wrong cause as worse than worthless right it, it was rubbish to him right and, and the important thing in spiritual things is truth not sincerity find that in acts 22 3. donald gray barnhouse the great presbyterian teacher uh, teacher of Ted Presbyterian Church of the last century, put it this way. You drive a car over to George Washington Bridge with the perfect faith that it will hold you, and you arrive safely on the other side. But just as good, uh, uh, just as good faith you have to drive onto some wooden bridge over the country stream, uh, stream. but if the boards are decayed, you would be let down into the stream. It is not your sincerity or your faith that keeps you safe. It is the object of your faith that makes the difference. If you place all faith in the world in, in, the, uh, in the world in religious systems, you will be lost. But the smallest amount of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ assures your salvation. Second, I want you to notice the error of the Israelites. Paul says in verse 3, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. See, Paul explains what the error of the Israelites was, but he does it negatively, right? He tells the Romans how not to be saved in the re in, in 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 his review of the Israel's is, is, is failure, right? 
the the mistake of the Israelites lay in seeking to establish their own uh, righteousness by good works before God and failing to receive the free gift of the righteousness of God. See, they did not realize that they were sinners and and and, and could not earn righteous standing before God. And 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 in this, they were very arrogant, ignorant. Excuse me, of God's righteousness. The Israelites like a wrecked car by a sign of a steep curve in the road ahead were warning to all that salvation is possible to the religious zealous people who think that they do not need a redeemer but can stand on their own good works the israelites are living illustration that people will come to grief over jesus christ if they fail to see why he had he had come you can see that in galatians 221 and 220 you know if you want to look at it you know in context you know i would go i you know i'm crucified with christ it's not i who live but christ lives with me and the christ that i the life that i live now i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me and then it goes on to verse 21 right that's my favorite scripture by the way just so you know galatians 220. they they see that the israelites loved their legal righteousness and set about establishing their own righteousness out of pride and arrogance you know we think of the parable of, of the pharisee and the tax collector or the publican right told by jesus and in, in, in luke you know 18 9 through 14 and the pharisee standing by himself prayed like prayed this god i thank you that i'm not like other man extortioners unjust adulterers even like this ta tax tax collector i fast twice a week and i give my i give all i give tithes of all that i get the arrogance is obvious in the 21st century and where we're living today we do not pray as proud as the pharisee we know better than to take such a position so we pray you know, god i thank you that i'm not as the pharisee and and, and we do not see our pride right jesus made it, it clear who was accepted before God. He said of the tax collector who stood afar off from the altar and afraid and ashamed to even look to heaven, beat his breast in confession saying, God be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. And then Jesus says, I'll tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Guys, sinners cry out for mercy. The product of the, 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 the appropriating sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God to which the nation of Israel by and large did not submit itself was the imputed righteousness that flows out of penal substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You know, R.A. Torrey, a famous evangelist and preacher of the early 20th century, told a story of a young man who came to him for counsel about going into ministry. And when he came to Torrey, he said, I want to go into ministry. Are you a Christian? And, 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 and Torrey says, well, of course I am. I was brought up a Christian, but I'm not going back on the training of my parents. I have been born again. What? Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, he said, I've never heard of that before. 
did you ever, do you know that you have committed the greatest sin a man can commit? No, I don't know that. What is, what is the greatest sin? Murder. You're greatly mistaken. Let us see what God says. So he turns to Matthew 22, 37, 38 and read, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. Which is the greatest commandment, he asked. First, and the greatest, have you kept it? Have you loved the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Have you, have you put God first in everything, in business, pleasure, social life, and in politics? No, sir, I have not. Well, what have you done then? I have broken this commandment. Which commandment is it? The first and the greatest. What, what have you done then? The young man said, I have broken the first and greatest commandments. I have committed the greatest sin a man can commit, and I've never sought before. See, our responsibility from the first breath as human beings we draw to the last is to give our Creator complete and full obedience of our heart, soul, and mind. We are to love Him with our whole heart, our whole soul, and mind perfectly. If we are to give each of you two minutes in this Bible study to proclaim your perfection, I'm sure that you would not dare to, dare to do so. For you and I know that we have broken the first and greatest commandment, right? We need a Redeemer who will pay the ransom price for our souls. We need him desperately. Benjamin Breckenridge, uh, Breckenridge uh, Warfield, the great Princeton theologian, um, has written somewhat of a flimpiant religious critic, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and contemplating with the admiration of the religion of ancient Israel, who said this, acknowledgement of what he found there, right? An honest God is a noblest work of man. Warfield said this, the profound truth lurking in the rem in the remark only it appears that the work was too noble for man and probably man has never compassed it the benevolent god yes men have framed a benevolent god for themselves but a thoroughly honest god perhaps never what has been left from the revelation of God himself to us. And this is the this is really distinguishing characteristic of God of revelation. He is thoroughly honest, thoroughly con uh, a conscientious God, a God who deals honestly with himself and us, who deals conscientiously with himself and us, right? We may be sure it is not a God who can deal with sinners as if they were not sinners. This fact lies perhaps the deepest ground of the necessity of the expiatory atonement. Now, how true is that? You know, our God is an honest God and he can't deal with us if we're not sinners, right? He, he must punish sin. He, he, he will deal with us honestly and righteously. And if, the, and if Jesus Christ had not been offered 
as the atoning sacrifice and pay the full penalty of the, the people of God, we would be lost forever, guys. But, you know, I, I thank God that he has dealt with us honestly in Christ. And now we may stand in our substitute and have the forgiveness of our sins. And that is righteously, right? He paid our debt to, and set us free, imputing us to righteousness that fully satisfies our honest God. You find that in Romans 3, 21 to 26. I mean, guys, really, really look at that. You know what I mean? Look at that. He's paid the price, right? You're always going to hear the gospel in everything that, that, that we say here at Made Free Church and Reformed Pastor. All the time, you're going to hear it. So let's notice what Paul says about the end of the law in verse 4. He says this, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The expression, Christ is the end of the law, is a notoriously uh, difficult one because the word end may be used in several different senses. Most commentators take the end to mean termination or fulfillment or uh, accumulation, right? So if we could say that Christ is the accumulation or the fulfillment of the law, righteousness is only available in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. So in conclusion... Notice the universality of the offer of salvation in Romans 10.4. Paul says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness in everyone who believes. Charles Spurgeon said this, It's marvelous how fine the wire may be that we carry the electric flash. We may be able, we may want a cable to carry a message across the sea, but it is for the protection of the wire, the wire which actually carries the message is slendering, is a slendering thing. If thy faith be a mustard seed kind, for it will only such as trembling touches the Savior's garment's hem, if thou canst say, uh, only say, Lord, I believe, but help, thou help mine unbelief. If it be but the faith of, of sinking Peter or weeping Mary, yet it be the faith in Christ, he will be the end of the law of righteousness to thee as well as the chief of the apostles. You know, individually of the salvation that is set forth, for the word everyone is singular, the offer of salvation is to each of us individually. My hope is that you will not, you know, like the Israelites of the old, rely on your own righteousness to make you acceptable get to God, but rather that we would rely on the righteousness of Christ, as the old hymn says, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee, let the water and the blood from the thy riven side which flowed be of sin the doubt cure cleanse me of the guilt and power you know that, that that's that's pretty powerful you know what i mean it, it really 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 is it's powerful too the thing of that we got to understand is 
is that we're forgiven sinners, right? You know, and uh, we got to understand that, you know, in the midst of the false teaching and in the midst of the garbage that's out there, you know, um, we must preach Christ and Him crucified. We must preach. We must. We must preach the gospel, because you know, somebody's going to hear it, and, and, and somebody's going to be touched by it. And somebody is going to be like, wow, man, I need the gospel. You know, I need Jesus to save me. Because there's a lost world out there, guys, that needs to hear Christ and Him crucified. Needs to hear the good news of God. That needs to hear that, yes, we're wretched sinners. Yes, we, do, we deserve hell. But through Jesus Christ, there's hope. You know, I, I came on this morning to, to punch the, the enemy in the face. But in reality, I think that I've learned more. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I hope you guys are getting it, man. You know, <coughs> um, because it's not about a church. It's not about a ministry. It's not about nothing. It's about Christ and him crucified, guys. It's about going out and preaching the word to Christ of Christ to people. Christ is the end of the law. But Christ did not come to end the law. He came to fulfill it. And we have to understand that, guys. You know, we have to understand that the fulfillment of the law is through Christ Jesus, right? All right, let's pray out. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity that we get to listen and to preach your word, God. You know, to get an understanding of what your word says and, and all that, God. And, and we love you for it. You know, we love your word and we love you. And we thank you for all that you do. Bless our hands and feet as we go to school and work today, Lord. And let us focus on the things of you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what, guys? Before I go, I want to make a couple more announcements. Um, we need your help, guys. You know, we've we planted a church here in, in Weezer, Idaho. And we're still lacking finances to get this church launched. And it's important that we ask for this. We need your help. We need your prayers. We need your, your help financially. Um, you can go to madefreechurch.org and you could give that way through our PayPal link. And guys, you know, if you get through the PayPal link, please uh, uh, put your email address so we can give you a tax-deductible receipt. Made Free Church is a 501c3 nonprofit. So none of the pastors here make a salary. None of the staff makes a salary. We do it because we love God and we love you. And we need your help in financing this, this, this little venture, this little church plant. You know what I mean? So we got most of it done. We need to build a wall. We need to buy a few things. So we're looking for 600 bucks, right? Which is not that much. It's just 600 bucks. But we're looking for that so we can, you know, open in a few weeks. I mean, we still got a lot to do. I mean, we got, you know, we got uh, walls to build. We just built a door. We're putting up lighting, you know. But there's a lot of stuff that we need, guys, and we need your help and support. So if you guys can do that. Thank you. If you guys can do that financially, thank you. If you guys pray for us, thank you. Um, 
Guys, if you guys like to check out my own personal site, you can do that at reformpastor.net. That's reformpastor.net. And, uh, you know, um, we're starting a new ministry, um, and it's called Five Solars Radio. And a bunch of us are going to get together and start talking about current events and how they are applied biblically. Uh, it used to be called Let's Talk, but, um, you know, we decided that, you know, we want to start a radio channel. Um, so we're looking into that, but we're going to start streaming this pretty live in the next few weeks. So if you guys, um, you know, want to check that out, you guys can do that. You know, um, be great. Um, and guys, we have a discipleship group called Tactical Discipleship where we take men and, and we disciple them the way Jesus did. We get involved and, and we love them. So guys, um, if you guys like to check that out, you can go to tacticaldiscipleship.org, tacticaldiscipleship.org, and uh, you can go check that out over there. You know what I mean? But, you know, I want to thank you for being here. You know, um, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for watching. God bless you guys, man. And uh, um, so amazing that we get to be here. You know what I mean? So, guys, I, I, I hope you guys have an amazing day. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. And you guys have a great one. God bless you guys.